Biohackers Podcast. My name is Teemu Arna. I'm your host. And today's guest is Anthony Di Clementi. I didn't know if I pronounced that right. Did I? Nailed it. Absolutely. Cool. So you are a certified personal trainer, certified nutrition specialist, and you're not just like reading about these things. You're actually experimenting on these things with yourself and with your clients. So tell me a little bit more about what got you interested in getting kind of a systemic view of the human being and uh, what, why, why do you want to induce change? Yeah, so I'm a big believer in that necessity can be our greatest teacher. And uh, it, was, it was getting sick myself in 2011 that really initiated this journey. I was uh, an NCSF certified personal trainer. I had gotten the certified, you know, the, the nutrition specialist certifications, but I put very little stock in, in certifications these days. I think that a lot of the people who are at the, the leading edge are autodidacts, people that have uh, learned through their own study by collaborating with other people, other leaders in the industry, and by working in the trenches with people that are dealing with complex health issues that, uh, that have not been able to be solved through other channels. And um, so uh, up until 2011, my approach was largely nutrition exercise mindset, the, the way that a lot of folks and, and a lot of people in this space still go about it. Um, and it wasn't until getting sick and having optimized those three levels, or at least what I believed was having those three things optimized based on my knowledge at the time uh, and not getting better that I started scratching my head and saying, maybe there's more to this equation. And it caused me to reevaluate my entire paradigm um, and, and start diving deep into functional medicine and nutritional neuroscience um, and finding less common solutions to some of these complex challenges. And, and with that, my own health started to improve. Um, I started, we were able to get results for people that where, where the nutrition and exercise had failed them. Um, once you started incorporating things like stress management, sleep, the right types of supplements based on underlying health issues like gut dysfunction, HPA access dysregulation, neurotransmitter imbalances, thyroid issues, hormonal issues. Once you start looking at the complete picture um, and, and addressing it from all necessary angles, these people started getting better too. And, and that was what really uh, caused me to redefine what I think makes a healthy human being and, and kind of the main sections of our book, which are nutrition, movement, stress management, sleep, supplements, hydration, oxygenation, light mindset, and habits. And then we've got an entire troubleshooting section for the folks that have underlying health issues that, that may supersede some of those foundational components. Can you remind us on, on what, what is the book that they are talking about? Uh, it's uh, The Biohacker's Guide to Upgraded Energy and Focus. And if, if we're going with the full lengthy title it's an uncommon system to rapidly optimize physical and mental performance cool so what we have on the podcast right now is the uh, two biohackers guides or handbook orders uh, yep. uh, chatting away so when it comes to these different techniques you are talking about uh taking the whole picture uh taking kind of the functional holistic view into what goes on in a human being and and uh, that 
probably you agree with me that treating a disease is oftentimes it's a complex arena where you're talking about sleep, diet, stress management, all these things, that there is no single uh, silver bullet that will heal you uh, in the end. Or at least, I mean, you can probably get better, but you might get sick soon again because of some habits that you have. So um, uh, that makes it an extremely complex arena. Is there anything specific that you focus on that you have found like when you start with with someone that uh, how do you like figure out where to where to start basically yeah um, it, it's a that's a great question and I kind of I make the analogy that a lot of times the the the, the protocol in our space is um, kind of the throw a bunch of spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks approach with people where a lot of clients come to me and they feel like whoever they're they've been working with has almost been treating them as like a a walking experiment here try this supplement here try this supplement here do this and i like to instead take a step back and do some deep discovery that starts with the first time that that we talk and asking what, what i believe are the right questions and then from there um we we have a very detailed symptom based health questionnaire and assessment that looks at some of those underlying health issues and challenges that that can be common, nutrient deficiencies and excesses. I look at what they're doing on a daily basis. What are their habits? What are they putting in their body? How are they sleeping? What's their sleep timing? Um, Sources of stress, et cetera. And I, I just try to gather as much data so that rather than taking that spaghetti against the wall approach, we're going after it with a laser. Um, for people that are willing, we do blood tests. Uh, we have specific specific blood tests that that I found to be helpful in uncovering uh, the root cause of some of these challenges and even identifying complex health issues and, and degenerative diseases years, even decades in advance. So it's a lot of deep discovery at first and uh, a collection of multiple data points because like you alluded to, just as there is no one silver bullet solution, there is no one single diagnostic test that tells you everything that's going on with someone. You usually need to take multiple and then have uh, and then start piecing together the puzzle and saying, "All right, it looks like this is what's going on with with this individual." Um, and if, if there are if it's a multifactorial challenge, then you have to you have to prioritize and say which is causing them the most discomfort. If someone's got pain, chronic fatigue, they're overweight, um, they're depressed, well then. You, you want to ask them which one is most important to you in solving first. Mm. And, and then with that information and the data that we've gathered, you start putting together a program that is going to uh, go after that one thing first. And just like peeling layers of an onion, each time you, you get an, a, a challenge solved, you move on to the next layer. And, at least, and that's kind of how, how right. we approach it. So you mentioned uh, different kind of self-assessment tools and also – more direct ways of measuring things like looking at blood work and and so on um and you you mentioned that you have figured out some things that work and are very helpful in discovering what what the bottlenecks are so can you elaborate a little bit more like um what kind of technologies and tools exist today that didn't exist for your practice let's say five years ago or a few years ago that you are finding useful today and uh why yeah. Um, well, the the biggest 
the biggest technology that I wasn't utilizing five years ago is, is blood work. Um, and I know that that may come as a surprise, but when your entire paradigm is every, you know, all you need to do is eat better and, and move more. Um, the, the blood work is a lot less relevant. And then, um, so by utilizing tests that are looking at thyroid function, but not just TSH, which a lot of physicians order, at least in the States, I'm not sure how it is in, in Finland, but, um, they, they usually do only TSH and that's it. Yeah. So that's, that's a good example to kind of run with. I mean, we're looking at thyroid antibodies if there's to, to assess whether there's a Hashimoto's component and the likelihood that that individual is sensitive to grains and gluten. We're looking at uh, T3, T4. We're looking at reverse T3 to see if there's, if there are conversion issues where maybe the person is making enough T4, but they're, they're not converting it into the active T3 and, um, and picking That's just one nuance of the blood tests, but having that window inside to what's taking place on a cellular level can be really helpful in, in identifying these things. And it's not something that I was utilizing five years ago, um, but can can really bring awareness and insight to elements that that could could otherwise go overlooked. Do you use uh, like some specific services to analyze those those results? Um... Or, or is it still that you just go through a report that has been sent through a lab? Both. Um, I, I work with both the Life Extension Foundation and, and Wellness FX. Those are the main two, if we're, unless I'm looking for something specific. And um, what's great about Life Extension is, well, what I did with them is I took all of the tests that that I believe to be Uh, to to paint a complete picture of the human being, at least you know without with without um, exorbitant costs or making it cost prohibitive for certain people, and and then I said, okay, so here are all the tests that I want for clients. If someone's willing to get the full panel, what do they need to order in order for me to have all of that data? And then Life Extension was kind enough to to get that. So I'll tell clients, you know, order these. And then once they get those tests, it's cool because we are able to go through them together, but they're also able to get on the phone with someone from Life Extension and have an explanation of what their results mean. So it's it's almost like a free second opinion. Um, and, and Life Extension does something where every year they do their annual blood super sale around May, and uh, and you can get a lot of those tests for 40% off. Right on. What I do personally, I just do lab tests locally. And uh, I actually do them in Estonia because it's like uh, five times cheaper than in Finland. And oh, nice. uh, only recently it was um, some of the regulatory issues were lifted. Uh, so previously you needed a doctor basically to send you to a lab and interpret the results. Now it's uh, it has opened up. So you can basically, I mean, there is labs popping up that do this testing for you. Get You get the results. You don't need a doctor. Uh, that is a huge amount of the bill of just like, you know, just getting the lab test. It's just to get someone to order them for you. And now I can do it myself. And what I do is I upload the data to Wellness FX, um, their, their tools, which enables me to track the data points a little bit over time. And I find that very useful. So that's another side of this is that when you do lab tests, it used to be like a doctor would say, oh, you're... Uh, liver values seem to be a little bit elevated. Otherwise, everything seems to be normal within the range. And as you know about thyroid issues, etc., within a range doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. You have to look at different 
things and uh, looking at things like uh, cholesterol levels, like total cholesterol is often measured. It's kind of like looking at the putting putting the the brakes on and the gas on at the same time. Uh, you don't really see uh, the details. So going deeper into it, LDL, HDL, uh, uh, apolipoprotein B, uh, inflammatory markers, all that. Uh, similar fashion as you were describing about the thyroid issues is that there is so much more and why didn't we do complex analysis was cost so at least in finland it was the public healthcare system they were avoiding costs so they only measured things that were kind of they thought in a reductionist fashion is necessary so how mm-hmm. is it in the u.s I, I would imagine costs are a completely different story also. It used to probably used to cost more than they, it does today to do these complex panels. Especially if you're utilizing some of the services that, that we've discussed. Um, it, it can be, you know, there's, there's a few things that you brought attention to. One is that no one's going to care as much about the results of your blood test as you will, right? No one's going to take the, the time to really dive deep if, if you do have a, uh, a baseline that you can compare it to, you're going to be looking at the changes over time, whereas a physician may not. He'll just be looking at, at the snapshot. And, um, and, and these are important things to track so that we can, we can see what's changing. In the U.S., there are pros and cons. The pros of working with a physician are that um, you, know, you, have an, you have an expert on hand. The cons are that a lot of times there are there are these common mistakes made where the wrong tests are ordered. People don't take, frankly, responsibility for looking at the data themselves. If, if, if their physician orders TSH and uh, that's it, they may not even have the knowledge to, to say, wait, I also want these other tests done. But beyond that, the physician will look at it and say, oh, your TSH is good. But, you know, if, if being within the normal range is also a lot different from being optimal. Um, so I think that if, if you're going to do this stuff, knowing what you're doing, or at least working with someone that can help you order the right tests um, and advocate for yourself is important because there's so many times that someone goes in to see a physician and uh, the wrong tests are ordered or they're just taking someone else's word for it. They don't even look at their own test. And, uh, yeah. and, and this, this is something that we all need to do. IBM is working on, on applying IBM Watson technology on modeling uh, what doctor is doing in the first line of care. And I find it very fascinating. The basic idea of just like, as you were saying, they might not do the right tests or they might not be even interpreting them like with the attention and vigorous as you as a patient or, or a client would like to. Um, mm-hmm. Because they know and you don't. And uh, the better they do the consultation, the, the better off you are. Also, the more value you get for the money that you spend on testing. Now, we can probably replace part of that by machinery. Uh, that is basically just like algorithmically looking at different uh, proportions of, uh, of things and comparing those to statistical um, uh, uh, results and machine learning, maybe figuring out things out of there and also combining that with intervention. So I, I see what is right now as the consultation or or uh, uh, what personal trainers or nutritionists are doing. A lot of that could be 
uh, not necessarily replaced, but could be augmented uh, with machines doing part of the work uh, and also preparing for you as a personal trainer some of those results and deeper analysis. So that's what I find still lacking is kind of like creating a new picture on top of the raw data. And uh, yeah. and, and sometimes I, I, you just have to look at those things and you have to know what you're looking for. And it comes with the experience. And uh, just to be able to sort of lift out a visualization that is more than the individual numbers, that's kind of like uh, where I see us heading. I, I, I completely agree. And I think that it may not be in the next decade, but at some point, being able to quickly have blood drawn and know and, and immediately know what's going on inside of your body will 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 be a basic human right or at least something that is that is accessible in every home if we want it to be it could be a few decades down the line but you think about what what we learn in schools in the u.s and so little of it is relevant we don't even understand what's going on in our own bodies we don't even understand what we should be putting in our bodies to to support optimal health in in, in mind and body and i think that we're going to get to a point where we need to seriously reevaluate our educational system, what we're teaching people, what's really important for creating healthy, happy, independent human beings, and, um, and, and provide tools like this that can empower people to, uh, with, with the knowledge necessary for behavior modification. Absolutely. And this is, you are actually absolutely on the money. I, I come from the background of looking at uh, education, learning. Uh, that's, that's, from which I've got some international awards. And the thing is that um, they don't talk about these things, how you can really optimize, let's say, your neurochemistry for learning or your diet and everything that comes into the system that makes you happy, for example, looking at gut bacteria and its role in producing serotonin and, uh, and having adequate nutrients and all that. It's not tested, it's not discussed, I hope I had figured that out while I was studying and learning things and uh, uh, learning about memory hacks and and how to make sure that things that I've experienced throughout the day would be encoded into long-term memory. Uh, we would save so much time just like doing the wrong stuff. Now, mm-hmm. we could be geeking out uh, the whole evening about blood work. I want to get into the like practical advice uh, and what you have learned. Um, in preparation, you were talking about pain as a potential topic that we could discuss. We can go there or we can go somewhere else, uh, depending on where, where you come from now and what sort of interests you. Uh, you were talking about nutritional uh, neurochemistry, which yeah. is, I assume, related to attention and, and uh, brain fog and mitigating uh, uh, suboptimal cognitive function. So... Um, why are those things so important today? And uh, uh, why should everyone be interested in their brain health? Well, I, I think that um, there, there, are few, there are few things that have a more profound impact on our quality of life and, and overall happiness than our executive function and the physical state of our bodies. And when um, we inherently realize that when we're in pain, it's our body's signal that something is off, and um, and it can it can take it, it, its toll on our um, 
um, it can really wear us down. You're just being in physical pain. So a lot of the time when we discuss solutions for pain, um, I think this is an area that, that a lot of people struggle with and a lot of the information out there is just, is, is just plain wrong. Um, and consequently, there's a lot of people that continue to struggle with, with this issue of pain. Um, and that's, that's why it was something that I thought it could be good for us to address. I'm, and you know me, I'm open to discuss anything. So if there's, if we want to go down any rabbit holes or if there's other stuff that you're interested in, I'm, I'm happy to talk about that too. For sure. Yeah. I mean, gut issues is one thing. Um, I mean, there's different levels of pain. Absolutely. I mean, how your uh, nervous system is communicating things. And I mean, if you've got the issues, it will shut down your brain basically. And, uh, and so on. So, Let's start from the gut. I mean, um, sure. and a lot of people have all kinds of weird stuff going on there. Um, mm-hmm. And that links directly to the brain, the, the gut-brain axis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So starting with the gut, and all of these things are interconnected. There's, um, there's no system in, in the human body that exists completely independent of everything else. Um, to... When, when digestion is off, this is one of the primary factors that can lead to pain. And there's, as you know, many things that could, that could cause uh, gut dysfunction. It, it could be as simple as someone is not chewing their food and thereby not mixing enough saliva and enzymes and, and initiating proper gastric signaling, all the way down to more complex issues like leaky gut because they're bombarding their body with these immunogenic and allergenic foods, um, which which vary from person to person. There's a lot of overlap that, you know, there's there's many people that have uh, – certain certain sensitivities but there are also that's also very individual and then you have things like hypochloridia low stomach acid production small intestinal bacterial overgrowth parasites candida and and gut dysbiosis and um and and, and then the 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 corresponding resulting uh autoimmune conditions and you know like crohn's colloidus ibs and all of those are usually accompanied with some level of pains, aches, tightness, stiffness, arthritic symptoms um, that will not go away until the root cause, which is some level of gut dysfunction, is addressed and, and fixed. Right on. So what are the interventions that you have found out to be most useful for addressing uh, the root cause? Mm-hmm. Well, if, if we're without getting into anything that can be particularly costly, uh, some of the easiest are fixing your nutrition. What's going in your body? There's, I'm, I'm yet to have someone that I've worked with on a one-on-one basis that is not consuming a pretty substantial amount of foods that are at least initiating an autoimmune response or an allergic response for them. And a lot of times we think we're eating clean, um, but we are operating on, on misinformation or it's generic information, not information that's, that's for us. So I, I start off and I'll say, avoid the big five, you know, your, your grains, your dairy, your alcohol, sugar processed foods, uh, genetically modified foods and their derivatives. Right. Um, so start by removing those. If you want more detail about a lot of the foods where we get into nightshades and specific nuts and things like that, that can be problematic eggs. Um, then there's more information in, in the biohackers guide, but 
clean out your nutrition, reduce your exposure to these, these immunogenic and allergenic proteins, that's a good place to start. It will at least give your body um, more energy that can be partitioned to healing. And if, you, if, if leaky gut is something that's taking place, fixing that. Um, then chew your food. Make sure that your food is completely liquefied. Make sure that you're getting proper gastric signaling and, um, and, and mixing that saliva with your food so that it's, it's less of a digestive burden for your body. Um, two things that can be consumed which, which are helpful are um, apple cider vinegar and doing that in a drink where therapeutic dose, I usually recommend around 12 teaspoons. Uh, daily. It can be mixed with the juice from organic lemon. And if the taste really bothers you, you can throw in some, some San Pellegrino, um, which, you know, in, some people in have. one go or throughout the day. Well, I do it in one go because I don't like apple cider vinegar and I want to get it done fast, but you, it can be sipped throughout the day. It kind of, it, it's, it's based on preference. A lot of times I'll just chug, chug and chase, um, or use a straw if, you're, if someone's concerned about the uh, the acidity and the enamel on their teeth. Um, but getting four four is kind of maintenance. Twelve teaspoons a day is therapeutic. That can be really helpful. The the acetic acid can uh, lower the amount of pathogenic bacteria in the gut. It can also um, allow the proliferation of good bacteria and and it it's improves the absorption of nutrients from the food that we eat uh, and then along with that as as i know you're a fan of is uh, a cup of bone broth a day which the the glycine um and and some of the uh, the collagen in bone broth can be fantastic for healing uh and restoring intestinal integrity glutamine uh, as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah like the amino acids basically that we are talking about uh, one mm -hmm. thing about uh apple cider vinegar is also it reduces uh, gluconeogenesis so it has a blood sugar balancing effect which is is quite healthy so i definitely would be generous with that stuff when i make a salad so so yeah bone broth is another thing that you would recommend every day so um how do you prepare your bone broth i mean like um wh where do you get it what do you so use? i am admittedly lazy when it comes to the culinary arts And um, there's a company in the U.S. called Arizona Grass-Raised Beef. They make a good quality bone broth. They don't ship to Chicago, or they do, but it's like $150, which is more than you would spend on a gallon of bone broth. Um, so there's a company in Chicago, uh, a, a superfood juicery, and uh, one of my friends owns that, and he'll order gallons of the bone broth, broth for me, and I just go and pick that up. But I just recently got a pressure cooker. Um, my friend Mike Geary, who's he's he's the guy that owns uh, and runs like Truth About Abs and Paleo Hacks and a lot of those companies. He uses a pressure cooker and has found that he's able to to make a pretty good batch of bone broth. And instead of taking say twenty hours or twenty four hours, he can do it in a couple hours. And it's and the pressure cooker even uh, does a, a better job at extracting some of those nutrients in the marrow uh, compared to just a, a stovetop pot. Right on, right on. Yeah, I mean, the fact that once you once the moment when we moved from eating the whole animal, uh, basically all the all the connective tissues and organ meats and and bone broth and uh, all all that stuff that goes with the whole animal, uh, when we moved to just the lean cuts, 
the muscles, we are getting too much methionine. And uh, in uh, the methionine to glycine balance is something that um, Master John has written a pretty good article, and I'm, I'm going to put that on the show notes. So if anyone is interested in the balance and geeking out a little bit on, on, on the amino acids and why glycine might be uh, shutting down inflammation and so, so important for our health, while methionine, getting too much of it, uh, is an issue. So, so, so definitely, I mean, that's a balancing act uh, in, in terms of if you're a eat, meat eater. So uh, what would you... That's why I like it, you, you, you know your stuff. And, um, and, and there's even been some interesting findings where I, I've had clients, there are some B vitamin injections that are they're sold for the purpose of in, increasing lipolysis or fat loss, and they contain methionine. If you have someone that is dealing with some of these pains and aches and uh, you give that person one of these cocktails that contains even more methionine, further throwing off that, that methionine to glycine balance, it worsens their pain. I've seen this in a few different cases. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're spot on, and, and, and all this stuff is interrelated. So if someone is not a meat eater, so more like for... Uh, ethical reasons or so on, more into a uh, uh, vegetarian diet, what would be your your kind of uh, choice or recommendation uh, kind of uh, equal to having a cup of bone broth? So what are they missing in typically in that diet that they should bring in? Yeah. Um, so uh, we know that bone broth has the things that you and I have discussed, those amino acids, the, the glutamine, the collagen, um, the glycine. And I have not found a that supplementing them in powdered form or in whatever form you like, is, I, I have not found that to be a uh, an equal substitute. Hmm. Um, it's better than nothing. And, and we know that some of these supplements that are high in glutamine and, and collagen can be helpful for the gut. But um, I would, yeah, I, I, I don't have a, a substitute for every contingency. I, I, I have nothing but respect for a vegetarian diet. I, I follow a mostly vegetarian, vegan-style diet myself with, um, with strategic amounts of meat. But um, my answer to that would be supplementing with with glutamine, collagen, uh, perhaps perhaps glycine. Um, yeah, right on. So um, let's let's dive deeper into the pain uh, sector. So we have probably different types of pain. Uh, I mean, you can have some physical injury, and we can do different hacks to bounce back from from injury, and and then we have. Uh, basically, what I'm talking about is inflammation um, that is beneficial for healing uh, in short term. Long term, chronic, uh, like uh, inflammatory cytokines and markers are probably not good things in your bloodstream. So, so, right. so, so tell me more about pain and uh, how to, what's going on there? Yeah, well, that... It's, it's an interesting question because the short answer is it depends. It depends on the person. It depends on the root cause. But there are some common, commonly overlooked 
triggers for pain. We've, we've touched on one of the main ones, which is gut dysfunction, some form of gut dysfunction. And, um, the easiest one to address is, is hypochloridia. Um, but when, when someone is not properly breaking down their food, they're, um, it's likely to be accompanied by, um, gut dysbiosis, leaky, leaky gut and, and the, um, the inflammation that, that, transpires. Um, we've also seen thyroid issues can contribute to pain and, and rheumatic symptoms. Even, even people that are on thyroid medications like um, Synthroid, uh, I've, I've seen many instances of those people dealing with pain that does not resolve itself despite uh, them having normal blood, blood levels uh, until they get their medications sorted. Um, neurotransmitter imbalances like low serotonin, can contribute again. There's that interrelationship. How how much of that is tied to gut dysfunction? It could be a good amount. Um, and uh, what else? There's there's a number of other things that that can cause pain, but those are some of the the main ones that come to mind. You've got your gut dysfunction. You've got people just putting the wrong nutrition in their body. Thyroid issues. Neurotransmitter imbalances. Um, Probably yeah. also. Uh, overactive sympathetic nervous system sign. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. so it, it seems, I mean, I was, I studied a little bit about ergonomics and, you know, people have a lot of back issues, sitting too much, etc. Mm. And um, sometimes just the stress from the work makes, makes you feel pain everywhere in your body. So, oh, yeah. so it's, uh, it's kind of like being too much in the sympathetic nervous system activation side compared to parasympathetic nervous system activation this is a big deal also in modern life yeah there's there's also when when we're chronically stressed we know that that's linked to inflammation we know inflammation is linked to hormonal resistance um and you know in 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 the thyroid pathway and 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 otherwise um and so much time sitting i mean the average american now is around 13 hours a day i think and uh, when people are experiencing back pain, a lot of times they're, they're doing things to try to fix their back. They're going to chiropractors and, uh, they're, they're getting standing desks, but more often than not, I, I see a connection there between, um, tight glutes, piriformis, um, QL, even, even the psoas and, uh, and, and back pain in people. And taking steps to improve not just their posture, which I know you're a big you're you're a big uh, advocate of of posture correction and improve biomechanics. But you get you improve those things, but you also need to work on the trigger points that could be um, the root cause of, of back pain, which can can uh, originate from the glutes and the the abs, the psoas. Right on, right on. So, so basically, it's kind of a, if you have pain somewhere, you look upstream, there might be a problem, or you look downstream, there might be a problem in glutes or something that actually then escalates into back pains, or you have a neck issue, like too much mobile phone, and that sort of like escalates down and, and so on. Um, what I found useful in terms of like tracking is actually uh, not, not these like typical activity trackers that track steps. But what I have is this little device that's tracking how much I sit or um, stand uh, in, compar- uh, in, in proportion to being active and lying down. So, so um, uh, I'm just like carrying this thing so that I get this 
uh, picture of my day. And I, I definitely see the correlation right there. So, so too much sitting, too much lying down uh, is not good. And also just like too much standing is also not good. So you need to like change your position throughout the day. And, and that pattern um, interests me greatly as we speak. Um, mm-hmm. And um, so, so you work with biomechanics also, and you do a lot of exercise. Uh, f- you probably correct uh, and, and treat fasci- fascial problems and, and and so on. So, what I, what, do you, what have you found to be the most beneficial interventions uh, for people to, who sit too much? Yeah, um, the. Standing desk is, is an okay place to start, um, but usually when it comes to issue, myofascial issues, um, fixing the nutrition at, at the expense of sounding like a broken record. I think, I think nutrition is, is the foundation for, for, for most positive changes, at least that they're based upon. And then, um, and then figuring out, letting the pain guide you to the area that needs to be addressed. And um, so we know that some of the more common ones are the IT band, the glutes, um, the, the psoas. And I'll, I'll look at a person, let's say it's someone that's dealing with, with back pain and knee pain, right? So we'll have that individual make some dietary changes. Then we'll have them roll out their... IT bands. We'll have them get a lacrosse ball and kind of get that uh, get get a stretching of the glutes. Where let's say you take your right ankle, you put it over your left knee, then you bend your left knee so that you're stretching the right glutes. Um, throw that lacrosse ball underneath and uh, you let it get in there. And, and this whole time you're assessing the pain. How bad is it? And I'm looking at their face because their face isn't going to lie. Um, and then we also do the psoas. And and I, I'll ask them where does it hurt you the most. And that's usually a good place to start. The same way that when we're helping someone through complex health issues, you're trying to figure out, all right, if this person has, has, has gut issues and thyroid issues and they're depressed and they're dealing with pain and all these different things, which, which one is causing them the most discomfort? That's where you start. It's a lot like that with myofascial issues. Let, their, let the body and the pain response dictate where you start. Right on. So what, what are your favorite tools for working with just like tight sections, uh, you know, like cross balls or foam rollers, etc.? Like, is there any like kind of biohacking equipment that you just like can't live without? <laughs> you know, I've got so many of those little tools and gadgets and, and I use like three of them. <laughs> uh, it, it, I use the lacrosse ball all the time on the glutes. Um, I use a, a, a little roller for the, uh, the planter part of the foot. A lot of mechanical issues can originate in the bottom of the foot and, um, and, and working that out can be helpful in alleviating pain, um, upstream, as you said, in the, in the knees and hips and low back. Uh, I use a, like a trigger point roller or a rumble roller. Um, and, and those are the ones that I go to most often. Um, some clients use tens devices, you know, the electro stim to help with pain. I've got a Mark pro plus that I use occasionally. Uh, I'm a huge fan of cold thermogenesis. I think that's one of the greatest interventions for dealing with pain. Um, 
but yeah, I've, I've probably got 50 different tools for myofascial release and, uh, I use about three of them consistently. Right on. So, so, uh, which are cold exposure and just like, uh, a little bit of rolling, uh, with, with, uh, round objects. Well, if, if someone, if someone was dealing with a lot of pain, they, they implemented consistent cold exposure. They got themselves a lacrosse ball and they got themselves like a, like a small trigger point roller. They'd be able to do some, they'd be able to, to make some pretty profound changes in their, in their physiology. And, um, and the, the other thing is you got to correct the posture, right? Um, you, you, a lot of times people aren't getting that external rotation in the hips. Uh, they're not creating sure, friction sure. with, with their, between their feet and the ground. Um, you know, you see people squat and they've got this, this inward buckling of the knees, which completely disengages the glutes and hips and fixing some of those, some of those biomechanical challenges is pretty important too. Uh, what resources would you recommend to anyone who wants to like dig deeper into these things themselves? Like, is there any books or websites or like, I mean, how, how can they get deeper into fixing some of the postural, postural problems? So I, uh, I, I have tremendous respect for Kelly Sturette and the, the research that he's put out there with um, becoming the supple leopard ready to run in his new book, desk bound. Um, he's also got his site mobility wad that, that has membership components the up oh, there we go nice yeah. copy copy a desk bound yeah love it yeah uh, it's, it's a good book on the desk always reminds yeah. you what's inside i know I'm, i'm the same way i i thrive and require those visual triggers um and and just sometimes having stuff out just seeing the book desk bound next to my desk would remind me to to get out of my seat and move around and take a little bit of time for some, some self-care. So Kelly Sturette's stuff is great. I think that the, the challenge that a lot of people face when they start diving into that is they get into this information accumulation mode and they'd probably do better doing some of these, some of, some of his methods, finding what they need and just taking the time, taking time out of each day rather than gathering more information, just implementing that. Um, Joe DeFranco's Limber 11 is pretty good too, as like a, a diagnostic tool to identify some of those problem areas. And again, all you need is like, um, if, if you want a more extreme version of a foam roller, you can even get PVC pipe. If you really want to get in, if you, if you got a masochistic tendency and you really want to get into your IT bands. Um, but yeah, that that's free on YouTube. So you can just look up Joe DeFranco Limber 11 and he takes you through a lot of these movements. Find what really hurts and uh spend a lot of time doing that when your muscles are warm and and do it every day until it hurts less and uh right on yeah. right on so fix the foundations with with diet and and all that i would also add hydration in there that oh, yeah. might be yeah. sometimes a big big issue uh, if 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 you just are too dried up and uh and and yeah and then then like work out some of those uh tight locations that are seemingly causing pain in different parts of your body. Um, like um, you mentioned that you have a lot of tools that you've been experimenting with. You use only a few uh, in the end of each category, I would assume. So which ones are the ones that you have found most useful for changing behavior? Because all of us know 
what I, what we should. I mean, a lot of people know about healthy diet, like supposedly what I should eat. They might be not deep as we are, uh, but they still know some things that they are not doing. And uh, probably we all know that we should be sitting less and probably sleeping more and uh, not pushing the snooze in the morning, but just get up there and uh, exercise um, like uh, at every point uh, when there is an opportunity. Uh, But we just don't do it. So what tools and techniques, methods you have found useful for inducing that behavior change that is lacking really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that before even getting into the specific tools, techniques, and strategies, it all starts with why, you know, knowing why you want to make these changes. How is your, how is the status quo keeping you from living the life that is, that that you are capable of living? Um, So what, you know, what bothers you about where you're at right now and using that pain to leverage uh, making these changes and then going deeper from there and saying, all right, if I make these changes, if I implement these things, how is my life going to be different? So you're really getting clear about, about how you're shortchanging yourself in your current situation. And then, um, that, that taps you into the pain component. And then you have the pleasure component, which is how are these things going to get better when I make these changes? Right? So that's that. Why answering that? Why question is, is step one. Um, step two is making the decision and, uh, you know, decide is, is, from the Latin word desidere, which means to cut off from. So cutting ourselves off from this option of retreat and dabbling. I think so many times we dabble and this one foot in, one foot out mentality, it's, it's, it's weak and it's disempowering. And we need to say, all right, if it's worth making these changes, go all in, become in health, healthfully obsessed with this, at least in the short term and, uh, until you, until you get the results. And, uh, once you've, once you've decided you make that commitment that you're, you're committed to achieving the result that you want and, uh, and, and you won't stop until you do. Um, so getting clear on your why making the, the decision, cutting yourself off from the option of retreat the same way that, you know, Hernan Cortez burned his ships when uh, they, they came to conquer the Aztecs. It, 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 it's eliminated the option of retreat. And his men knew that we either need to conquer the Aztecs or we will perish. Um, finding ways to do that in our own life. Um, we, we commit and, uh, and then it is, it is building a, a daily strategy to, um, to bridge that gap from where we are to where we want to be. That's when the tools come in, and I know that wasn't specifically like answering. It was, your it was fantastic. I, I mean, yeah. you, you would just put in the pictures, uh, just the like beginning foundations, like how, what, what should motivate us uh, and how to keep us on the track. So, so getting to the tools, um, like yeah. So one that one that I've found very helpful recently is, um, and it's it's. It's from your neck of the woods is the aura ring. Hmm. And um, my Achilles heel has been sleep. My, my father has Parkinson's. We know that lack of REM sleep is correlated with, with uh, Parkinson's. We know that, uh, well, there's a lot of things that are. but um, So sleep, especially being the thing that I consistently shortchange when I get busy, was, was a concern of mine. And 
despite teaching that to clients, putting it in the book, writing chapters about it, I, it, it was it was not uh, a, a, a behavioral change that I was able to consistently implement myself. So I started asking myself, why is this? And and there was some interesting research that showed. Um, what happens when we don't sleep is that we have this degradation in cognitive and physical performance, but we lack the awareness to assess it ourselves. So when they took people and they started depriving them of sleep, they would see this dramatic uh, deterioration of their uh, reaction time, their uh, their executive function, etc. But then when you ask the person how the lack of sleep was affecting them, they'd be like, ah, you know, maybe I'm a little bit tired, but other than that, I'm still... Right. I'm they still don't thinking. realize or they downplay the effects. Right. right, they don't realize it. So we need things to bring more awareness to what's going on. And this aura ring has helped me a lot uh, because it, it doesn't... Whereas some of these activity trackers, they'll, they'll tell you how much you slept or they'll tell you when you woke up throughout the night. This is looking at your REM sleep, your deep sleep, your light sleep, how much time you spent awake. It tells you how your sleep timing was based on when you went to bed and when you woke up and if that's in alignment with what we've found for human beings to be an optimal circadian rhythm. So it's looking at all of these different things. And what I was finding is that my REM sleep sucked. So even if I spent a good amount of time in bed, I would my REM sleep was was in the bottom quartile. And I was like, this isn't this isn't good for a guy that doesn't want Parkinson's or any other neurodegenerative condition or heck just wants to function at my best throughout the day. So I started making from from that data, I started making other interventions. And uh, in less than a week, my REM sleep was almost all the way full. Um, wow. So this is this has been a pretty powerful tool to give insight that I would have otherwise had no idea uh, was was there. That's absolutely right. I mean, sometimes we need these technologies and tools to show us the mirror that we can actually see firsthand what's going on uh, that we might be ignorant of uh, or or just like barely things are invisible uh, and uh, then enables us to track as we do changes and with different interventions what works and what doesn't and seems to improve the condition and you have tracked that down to genetics and uh, heritage um, uh, handicaps and, and, and hacking that aspect to me it's always about starting like you said about in the beginning is like which which of the problems that you see i mean we see all kinds of problems in our lives uh, and picking up the ones that seems to do the biggest difference and also on the emotional side like i see the emotional side of the parkinson's disease and all that when you're describing this uh, the family lineage and so on so it's it's a big thing to start also the, on those things that are meaningful uh in terms of behavior change so, so that's fantastic um i think we are we, we have we have been going on for quite some time and we have some pretty good covered topics here um if I mean, uh, if people want to learn more about your work and uh, dive deeper into the different aspects that you're doing uh, or, or they want to get some consultation or whatnot uh, from you. So, so where are you hanging out and where are you producing your material and uh, uh, where do you want to take that? Yeah, the, the best place to start is, is uh, biohackersguide.com. And we, we give away the book for free. We just want to get that information out there. I'm very 
vocal about the fact that generic programs tend to yield generic results, and that's that's if the information is correct. Um, but there's there's a lot there that I think will, um, as as in in your book, uh, open up people's eyes and help them to see the big picture and identify maybe some behavioral patterns that aren't serving them. And then um, if if they want to go from there, we've got the Biohacking Secrets Show podcast with people like Tony Horton and Laird Hamilton and Dr. Joe Pizzorno and Michael Murray and uh, a lot of a lot of the the great luminaries in in the field. We we, we need to get you on there as well. Uh, once you're past the the summit, I'm sure you're you're pretty slammed until then. Um, and and yeah, we put out a lot of free information. I do video. I try to do Facebook Live videos um, regularly to give away a lot. And then if people want more. They can they can check out coaching and uh, a biohacking week and, and things like that where we can do more stuff one on one. Right on. So, um, if people want to get started, like um, there's there's all these different things that they can look at. Like, where would they get the most bang for the buck? What would be the best return um, in in all the different areas that you're covering in your book? So what we did was um, now is this in terms of pain or is this just o- overall energy focus quality of life? Yeah, I'm, I mean, oh. I'm getting asked often like if I measured one thing, what should that be, or if if I did one thing in terms of my nutrition or sleep, etc. Uh, like people want to just like have like some some quick things that they can start with that for most people seems to make a difference. Mm-hmm. The most beneficial thing that they could do is follow the, the the 28-day protocol that I outline in the nutrition section where we strip away all of these immunogenic and allergenic foods that we talked about. Um, the downside of it is that it's a little bit of a pain in the butt. It's a very restrictive diet for 28 days. The plus side is that you will afterwards, you will know a lot of the foods that are right for you and the foods that are causing you problems that you may not have even thought were related to food. And, um, and that will, it will lower inflammation. It will decrease pain. It will elevate your mood. It will boost your energy. Um, it's, it it will move you on the path of feeling better in all of the areas that we care most about that have the highest, uh, correlation with quality of life. Right on. So, so here, here you go. One of the tools to figure out um, like in terms of diet, uh, what is kind of uh, causing reduction in performance and tension and, um, and, and what's linked to your pain. So um, elimination diet. So, so that's one way to start. So um, thank you so much, Anthony. Andy Clementi, uh, this has been fascinating. We could be talking like hours out. But if people want to learn more about you, I'm going to be putting your uh, website addresses and all that into the show notes, biohackingsecrets.com. That was right. Uh, one of those addresses and biker's guide. So um, Anthony will be speaking at the biohacker summit in Helsinki 18th of November. I will be there as well. I mean, it's going to be fantastic with Ben Greenfield and all these experts who are very deep in the different aspects of biohacking. You will be able to basically... Uh, put yourself into ice cold water with cold thermogenesis and experiencing Finnish traditional sauna and, and some of the more modern techniques, um, archaic techniques of uh, improving human performance. So um, 
so so looking forward to seeing all of you there and and uh, you Anthony especially so it's it's been a pleasure uh to get to know yeah. you and uh I can't wait. also this to know you more <laughs> very cool so um biohackers handbook uh is uh is is also being now uh translated the nutrition ch- uh, chapter is out already we have the exercise chapter uh, almost ready. It's uh, it's going out. So biohackingbook.com is something you w- may also want to check out. But for Anthony, biohackersummit.com and biohacking secrets uh, uh, is is where you want to start. Uh, thank you so much, Anthony. Thank you so much, Timo. I appreciate your time. It's been uh, it's been fun as always. Awesome. Keep upgraded. So over and out. <laughs>